Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.53 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 11th of May, 2021, and this is episode 416 of Bitcoin. And no, Elon, Doge is not the first cryptocurrency in space. Now, no, that distinction goes to Bitcoin. Sorry, bud. That's the way it is. Now, what is this? I'm responding to a tweet, that, that Martian tweet or whatever from Elon that was saying, uh, he said something about Doge and that Doge was going to be the first crypto in space and it's going to the moon and all this bullshit. It was actually kind of sickening because he he did it right after his appearance on SNL uh, tanked the price by 30%. And everybody that aped into this shit at 70 cents got got their asses handed to them. And at 51 cents this morning, Doge is still in a situation where many people that got into this thing are are underwater and they're probably going to stay there. Now, I <clears throat> think it's possible because of the landscape of of the altcoin runs that are going on that Doge could probably and I'm not even going to say most likely, but it's not outside the realm of possibility that Doge sees a buck. It's stupid. <laughs> you hate to see it, but it's this, this is where we are. And this is what happens when you've got a whole field of brand new retail who has yet to learn anything about the underlying tech and what development actually means, what community actually means, what you know a decentralized nodal network looks like. They don't know any of this, okay? It's not their fault. Like, This is one of the problems with being in Bitcoin is that especially if you've been in it for a while, you take a lot of stuff for granted, like running, running your own node for Bitcoin. Once you start doing it and you, and and you understand why, and, and you start actually using the node to verify your own transactions and not just running a node, but actually using the node setting up lightning channels and, and, you know, having, you know, understanding incoming liquidity versus outgoing liquidity and why that's important and not only important, but critical for the operations of a lightning, of a lightning node. When you, when you get all this, what you're leaving behind is the work that it took to get to where you are. All of the retail that charges each and every quote unquote alt season has no clue because they haven't spent the time yet. This is why alt season happens. This is my opinion. I I know, but still, I believe this is why alt season happens. So one of the things that comes to me when I say that is the thought that, you know, all the people that just love alt season, when they love alt season, what they're really loving is having new, brand new retail come into the space and just get their clocks cleaned. And I'm not sure how that's good for anything because all it does is leave a very bad taste in, in brand new retail's mouth. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But back to the original statement, no, Doge is not going to be the first cryptocurrency in space. Why? Well, let's read this thing, this tweet from Documenting Bitcoin. The first cryptocurrency to be in space was Bitcoin, and that was about four years ago through the Blockstream satellite. It was the first space satellite received crypto, and then they give the transaction ID of it. However, there's more to that. There's a little bit more to that story. Uh, Samson Mao responded to that tweet with this one and said, we also made the first Bitcoin transaction originating from space and to an astronaut. 
And this was back in July of 17, 2020. He's, he's linking to, he's literally retweeting his own tweet here, which is fine because he's trying to demonstrate a point. Uh, he says, during ABBA summit, I set Commander Hadfield his first Bitcoin from space via Blockstream satellite. We customized the service so the transaction was sent from one of our teleports to T11N, E1113, and G18, then broadcast to users that relayed to the Bitcoin network via terrestrial internet. So Bitcoin was the first from a terrestrial ground-based station to space. And the first one that came originated from space to a back down to terrestrial. So no, Dogecoin is not the first in space. That distinction is firmly granted to Bitcoin. Thank you very much. I really would see, and this is the thing. Even Elon doesn't have time to review the history. And what, what happens? Well, you end up in alt season. At that, I really believe that this is why alt season happens. And that all the alt-season parasites that are out there, <clears throat> they're charging brand new retail to get into shit that they have absolutely not only no business being in in the first place, just, by, just from the technological underlines, but also they're preying upon their ignorance. And this is what makes people like this just some of the most reprehensible and unethical people that you will ever know. And this space is replete with them. And this is one of the reasons why I curate, <clears throat> to the best of my ability, I curate a Bitcoin Twitter list. If you don't use lists and you're still bitching about getting sponsored content on your main timeline, then you need to learn about lists. And yes, you can put them together yourself. And basically a list is just a whole bunch of accounts that I've dropped into, a, in, into what's called a list. And my list is named Bitcoin. And uh, I don't get sponsored content and I don't get ads because they haven't put them in the list, at least not yet, and which is kind of surprising. But they probably won't because so many people don't use lists. They will instead bitch and moan all day long on Twitter about how they're tired of seeing the Twitter feeds. So how do you make a list? Well, look, you know, if you're on just Twitter.com on like a desktop, um, look at your left-hand bar and there will be lists and then you can add a list. And then when you find a, a, an account that you want to drop into that list, because I don't know, they said something funny or something like that, you can select on that account to add them to a list. Or you can go to my account and like, if you're, I, I, you don't, I don't even think you have to be following me, but you can just go to, twitter.com forward slash B-E-N-N-D-7-7 and click the list tab and you'll see what lists I put together and you can follow my Bitcoin list. And I, what I've done is I've tried to put together the best over the last five years, six years, I've put together the best that I think is out there, including a couple of shit coiners so that you can have uh, some kind of, in, you know, like be able to monitor the enemy chatter is what I call it so that you know what's going on in that field too. But more, <clears throat> but more or less, it's mostly just solid Bitcoiners. <clears throat> this helps not only to get rid of your ads, but to give you some high quality content there. So again, go to B-E-N-N-D-7-7 on Twitter, click on uh, lists and then follow my Bitcoin list. And then Start building your own. Curate your own list. I, I highly recommend this. In fact, it's curating your own list is, yes, you, you can end up in a bubble, which is one of the reasons why I include a couple of shit coiners so that I'm not solidly in a bubble. But <clears throat> more often than not, what you end up with is, is the stuff that you think is the most interesting, the one that gives you the most value, I highly recommend curating your own list. Please curate your own list today. Now, this one is a tweet from Eric, uh, or at Wheat Pond, that says, holy shit, this exchange between Bank of England governor and uh, MP Baker is, and then he gives a screenshot of this exchange, which I will read now. Andrew Bailey, who's the Bank of England governor, says, I had an issue with Bitcoin, and I still have to a degree. I have said a number of times, only buy Bitcoin if you are prepared to lose all your money. It does not mean that you will lose all your money. It does not mean the value will go to nothing, but it has no intrinsic value. 
People may want to collect it, but it does not have an intrinsic value at all. So Mr. Baker responds, <clears throat> You have tempted me over some deep waters here because I am sure I have held in my hand pieces of paper with your signature on them that promised redemptions. I am not sure what the intrinsic value of those pieces of paper is. Andrew Bailey responds, I am not sure that is a question for this afternoon. Let that sink in. He can shit all over some asset, but he cannot even question his own. All right, this is the power of the people that, that sit in those seats of power. They print money. They will never talk ill about it, but they will take a giant dump on everything else because everything else is, in their opinion, is a detriment to their seat of power. They don't care about the money, guys. They don't care about their own money. They will protect their own money because by protecting their own money, they are indeed protecting their seat of power in Parliament, the United States you know, House of Representatives, in the Senate, I don't, in the Duma, in Russia. I, you, you name it, man. Power attracts some of the most vile, unethical, immoral pieces of human filth on the planet. And they will do anything that they can to remain in that power. <clears throat> and I, I think it is even more than taking their money away from them in the form of Bitcoin. I think it's actually depriving them of any attention at all. Not following their rules. I'm not suggesting go do it, especially those rules that can land you in jail because they will put your ass in jail. But <clears throat> even if we start thinking collectively of not giving a shit about these people, they'll feel it. They will feel it. Now, Miami, <clears throat> Miami's mayor, in fact, Rico Suarez. I don't know. If, you, if, you're, not, if you're missing that, that reference, in the 90s, there was a song that you couldn't get away from uh, on, on at the time on radio, uh, what was it? Uh, I can't even remember. Uh, uh, Rico Suave. If you want to hear a song that's going to make you just your blood kind of curdle, just type in uh, Rico Suave song into DuckDuckGo or something like that. And you can listen to what I had to suffer through for almost a full freaking year. It was everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. Anyway, Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus bill pushes mayor or Miami mayor to buy Bitcoin. In a recent interview, Francis Suarez said that he bought Bitcoin right after Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus bill passed the United States Senate in March, claiming that he doesn't think people will want to stay in dollar-denominated currencies. Quote, I did buy Bitcoin and shitcoin name redacted, and I bought it literally the day that the $1.9 trillion spending bill passed the Senate and it was going to the president's desk, Suarez shared in an interview during Ethereal Virtual Summit 2021. Quote, if the federal government's going to spend $1.9 trillion, then I think I need to have some Bitcoin, and this is definitely going to go up. And, and frankly, if they spend another $2.2 trillion on an infrastructure bill, then Bitcoin is going to continue to go up. I mean, there's just no way that it can't, because I don't think people are going to want to stay in dollar-denominated currencies, Suarez continued. <clears throat> Mayor Suarez has been taking deliberate measures to get Miami one step ahead of other American cities by integrating Bitcoin and other disruptive technologies into the city's operations. After Bitcoin.org and BitcoinCore.org maintainers were asked to remove the Bitcoin white paper from their web websites, Mayor Suarez stepped forth and hosted the white paper on Miami City's website. And the largest Bitcoin conference of all time, Bitcoin 2021, uh, will be held in Miami in June. In addition, the mayor's proposal for allowing Miami employees to receive compensation in Bitcoin and allowing the city to add Bitcoin to its balance sheets received support from city commissioners in February. Two months later, Miami-Dade passed a resolution to enable residents to pay for county taxes, fees, and services in Bitcoin. So there you go. And I am like, this is out of Bitcoin Magazine, by the way, written by Namcios or Namkios, uh, N-A-M-C-I-O-S. You make the pronunciation yourself. Um, I can only assume that it's Mayor Suarez's personal money that we're talking about here. 
that he himself and his personal finances bought Bitcoin. But nonetheless, yeah, with what is that going to be? Three, four trillion dollars, 4.1, something like that, trillion dollars. On top of the six that they already printed, like what, last year? <laughs> or rather over the last 12 months? It's ridiculous, man. It's it's embarrassing to actually have to watch. In fact, this is also from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, Swiss investment bank UBS is now planning cryptocurrency offerings. Major Swiss investment bank UBS Group AG is reportedly planning to offer cryptocurrency investments, likely including Bitcoin exposure to wealthy clients. Quote, the Swiss firm is exploring several alternatives for offering the asset class. People familiar with the plan said, according to Bloomberg, any investment offering would be a small portion of the client's total wealth because of the volatility. While options include investing through third-party investment vehicles, one of the people said. Sources also voiced concern that clients would leave UBS if it did not start offering some sort of cryptocurrency investment options to its clients. Recently, many of its high-profile competitors have signaled their plans to grant Bitcoin exposure to their own clients. For instance, this year, BNY Mellon has announced a Bitcoin strategy for its clients. Morgan Stanley has announced plans to allow clients to invest in Bitcoin funds. And Goldman Sachs has shared details around its work to offer BTC investment vehicles and recently offered Bitcoin derivatives. <clears throat> it is still unclear how or when the Swiss firm will broach cryptocurrency offerings or how much it will emphasize Bitcoin specifically, but a major legacy institution such as UBS is likely to start with BTC offerings first, an increasingly popular asset among wealthy investors. Quote, UBS Chief Executive Officer Ralph Hammers <laughs> is taking a deep look at where he can cut cost and digitize operations, including the high-touch business of serving the world's wealthiest the bank spends approximately $3.5 billion per year on technology to maintain and modernize its existing infrastructure and innovate new tools <clears throat> for employees and products for clients. So it's not the, the Bitcoin mining will continue. The energy consumption will continue. And this is a good thing because we can't fix freaking nothing until we fix the damn money. And how's that going to happen? You got to put it in the hands of as many people as you can put it in. And I'm talking about hard, actual money. Then we can start worrying and, and hand-wringing about the hysteria around the world. But unless you fix the money first, that hysteria, ladies and gentlemen, is a symptom of the disease, not the disease itself. The disease itself is really shitty money cons consistently shifting monetary policies and a group of people that are so entrenched in power and, and, and fattening themselves off of money printing before anybody else gets a chance to use it that <clears throat> it's a cancer. The hysterics that we see with climate change and COVID and mask wearing and immunizations and people vaccine shaming other people and other people yelling at people who did get the vaccine and no nobody's happy because we've made life so fucking unfun. All that is a symptom of the disease. Until you go cut the cancer out of the body, these hysterics will continue. Mark my words. Now, Obi-Wan speaks. Obi-Nwosu is the CEO and co-founder of CoinFloor. Be the mosquito that makes a difference. This is from BTC Times, by the way. <clears throat> a briefer than usual column this week as I'm recovering from coming off my bike. Uh-oh, he had a wreck. Uh-oh. Don't worry, I'm fine, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse if I hadn't been wearing a crash helmet. As it is, I'm convalescing from a slight concussion, counting my blessings and thinking about what is truly important in life. And yes, Bitcoin is important. But I've come to realize something I've always secretly known, which is that I'm not only driven by Bitcoin's brilliance, but also the surge or the urge to help people find a better way of protecting their wealth. And I'm aware of my all too human shortcomings as an evangelist and that there are only so many people I'm capable of convincing. That's why this week I don't want to talk about what I think about the Bitcoin landscape, but what you can do to support the revolution. <clears throat> If you've read and enjoyed this column over the last nine months or so, I thank you for your time and loyalty. 
But how many people have I really convinced? You're all loyal readers of the BTC Times, so at least I've been pushing it, pushing at an open door to take Bitcoin into the next or onto the next and final stage of its evolution, which is mass adoption. We need to convince the doubters, those who are ready to believe the half-truths and untruths, the ones who fear change and mistrust a technology that they think that they'll never understand. People, for example, who listened and nodded along to Bill Mayer's commentary on Bitcoin the other day. Bill is likable, moderate, and funny, and that all gives his words weight even when they're wrong. When he describes Bitcoin as a Ponzi scheme, it packs an emotional punch because it reinforces what people want to think. Quote, phew, thank God for old Bill. He really stopped me getting suckered into that one, end quote. I can't compete with Bill Mayer in terms of reach or the ability to craft a perfectly tuned or turned put down. I've only got technical knowledge and a decade's experience in the industry, and that's only going to get you so far with strangers. But for all those who won't heed me or Michael Saylor or even Elon Musk, there is one person they'll listen to, you. We all know at least one person who distrusts Bitcoin, yet whose blind faith in fiat <clears throat> is putting their wealth at risk. And we all have the technical chops and the market knowledge to provide a point-by-point -point refutation of the Bitcoin myths that refuse to die. Bitcoin is essentially worthless. Actually, its price rise is predicted on a finite supply of coins, unlike the ever-expanding glut of banknotes. It's a haven for criminals, drug dealers, and mafiosi. But the overwhelming majority of money laundering goes through regulated banks rather than unregulated crypto. Dude, this stuff is easy. But it's not just about the arguments. It's about who's doing the talking. I can extol the brilliance of Bitcoin every week in this column and convince not a single person. You can tell your mom or your brother. Show them that you're, you gain nothing from your evangelism and that your advice comes from a place of love and you can convince one person. And if you think that the goal of one-on-one -on -one evangelism is simply to quicken the pace of adoption, then I haven't explained myself well enough. Mass adoption is merely the side effect. What truly matters is that you've helped someone dear to you protect themselves from suddenly losing their wealth. It's like if you suffer a break-in. You don't just buy a burglar alarm. You phone your friends and family and convince them to buy one too. <clears throat> I'm very glad I was wearing a helmet when I came off my bike. But maybe I wouldn't have been so sensible if my own brother hadn't died from a preventable accident that, like mine, came out of nowhere. Sometimes people need a nudge to do the wise, the smart, the sensible thing. And an argument is always more powerful when it's based on altruism and love. As the old African proverb goes, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you've never spent the night with a mosquito. That's why I call on you to be the mosquitoes take wing and bear the good news of Bitcoin to one person who will benefit. So what's Obi saying? He's saying just, just find one person and hammer them. And don't worry about trying to reach 20 people at once. Don't worry about trying to you know reach a thousand people at once. Just one person that you know. Just work on that one person that you know and get that one person to do the same thing to one other person. It's a lot of work. You're overcoming, especially for newbies coming in, you're overcoming, for me, I'm overcoming six years of experience in this. Other people are overcoming 11. There are some people that were probably so knee-deep in this shit that they were, some, they were somewhere close to Satoshi Nakamoto and that team before 2009, before the first mining actually began, before the network was first alive. When we're talking to people about this, what we're really doing is we're trying to overcome our own biases. And those biases, in, in my opinion, for most of us are coming out of our experience, how much time we've put into this. And when people question, because they don't know any better, they don't know what we know, we get infuriated and that doesn't help. Somehow or another, you got to be the guy that does not get infuriated when somebody asks the, the stupid questions like, is Bitcoin going to boil the oceans? When they're asking about it, it's because they're being infiltrated by the likes of, oh, what's this idiot's name? Let's see if I can find it. Uh, Eric Hallhaus, and we'll get to him later. But it, like the people listen to him and Bill Maher, and they think 
these are reasonable reactions because these are people that other, a whole shit ton of other people actually listen to. That's what you're up against. You're up against that and you're also up against your own experience and how much you know about this stuff. We got to figure out a way to overcome both of them to, re, to be able to get to just one person. It is literally just one person. Now, <clears throat> Nebraska, not to be outdone by Wyoming, has a bill to allow banks to offer crypto services, and that bill is moving forward. Helen Parts tells us about it from Cointelegraph. Nebraska lawmakers are moving forward with an initiative that would allow state banks to offer cryptocurrency services. State senators favored the measure through the first of three required votes in the legislature with 39 lawmakers voting to advance the bill for enrollment and initial review on Sunday. Introduced by Republican Mike Flood in January, Legislature Bill 649 aims to adopt the Nebraska Financial Innovation Act and create digital asset depository institutions as well as provide for charter, operation, supervision, and regulation of said institutions. The initiative would reportedly make Nebraska the second state in the United States to set up a formal charter for cryptocurrency-powered banks, allowing them to facilitate crypto transactions. Wyoming was the first state to do so, chartering its first crypto bank in September of 2020. Senator Flood said that he introduced the bill after talking with an entrepreneur friend who decided to move into the cryptocurrency industry in Wyoming. <clears throat> Flood said that Nebraska has an opportunity to become an early adopter of cryptocurrencies with the measure, which could help it benefit from technology and finance jobs. Quote, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity not only for my district, but for the entire state of Nebraska, he said. Some lawmakers questioned whether it was right for the state to move into crypto, expressing skepticism about consequences of the measure. Quote, this bill is not anywhere close to being in the form where it could pass, Senator Steve Erdman reportedly said. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, Flood originally initiated two crypto-related bills, one of which outlines requirements for banks providing custodial services, providing classifications of digital assets, and related technology like smart contracts and private keys. The regulatory initiative has not moved forward since a related hearing in February. So, yeah, even though he's getting pushed back in, within, his, within his own sphere of influence, at least he has that one person to convince. And what I'm talking about is the, the pushback by this guy uh, was, it, was not anywhere close. Was, was it? Oh, let's see. Senator Steve Erdman said that the bill is not anywhere close to being in a form where it could pass. Well, this is where Flood goes to that senator and says, help me make it. Help me do it. And then Senator Erdman may say, I don't like cryptocurrency because it's going to boil the oceans. Bitcoin bad. Bitcoin used by criminals and, and money launderers and child freaking traffickers. That's where Senator Flood can take what Obi Nwosu said and, and just spend his time educating this one person. Because this one person can help him get this bill to a state that it can pass the legislature. And that's what Nebraska is going to want. My bitch fest here is the fact that Texas hasn't even started doing this. We've got a governor that, that apparently is not hostile at all. And in fact, he seems to be very, very open to Bitcoin in the state of Texas. But I don't understand why he, he's not initiating some people in the, in the Texas House and the Texas Senate to start originating bills that does the thing that Wyoming and Nebraska does. Because, yeah, while Bitcoin mining is cool in, in the state of Texas, you're going to want the financial infrastructure to be able to rail the, the output of Bitcoin mining into the mainstream masses. If, you're, if you don't have the rails, then the, the only rails that there are is that Bitcoin is, that's being produced in Texas is not going to stay in Texas. Just saying. So if you're a Texan and you want to see some shit done, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. You can call your United States congressman and you will never talk to that person on the phone. Although on several occasions, I have talked to my state representative directly on the phone. And this one, in one case, I had a lovely discussion with my state rep on the phone for over a half hour. And I was only asking one question. Next thing I know, we're sitting there shooting the shit. It's about the state. 
Stop dicking around with your U.S. congressman or your U.S. rep or whatever it is. They are never going to listen to you because they don't give a shit about you. If you have any hope in hell of finding somebody in the government that gives shit one about you, it's going to be at the state level. Start there. Those are the ones that no, <coughs> Obi Nuosu was talking about. Pick one of those guys and hammer them until they crumble, okay? Now, uh, oh, in, <clears throat> by the way, just so you know, I'm not going to read it, but Indonesia is now considering levying attacks on crypto trading because leeches and parasites are literally everywhere. Let's run the numbers. All right, flammable liquids are down. <clears throat> uh, West Texas Intermediate's down uh, three quarters of a point. Brent North Sea is likewise down three quarters of a point, $67.83 for a barrel of that. Natural gas is down 0.68%. $2.91 for a thousand cubic feet of that. Shiny metal rocks are all up, not including platinum. Gold is up a quarter of a point. Silver is up a half a point. Platinum is down 1.19%. Copper, as you'd expect, is up a point and a half. Dude, a point and a half. Electricians must be pulling their hair out trying to figure out how to bid on contracts, man. Palladium is up 0.21%. All of the agriculture futures are also up and to a pretty high degree. Wheat is up a point, soybeans up half point, corn is up three quarters of a point, sugar is up over a point, as is coffee, which is damn near a point and a half. Cotton, however, is down a half and cocoa is down 2.43%. That, God, cocoa got a hit. I guess nobody likes chocolate anymore. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, let's see, indices, they're all down. Dow futures down by a half. S&P futures down by three quarters. Let's see, uh, NASDAQ futures down by 1.36% and the S&P mini is down 1.17%. So the openings today, not gonna look all that pretty. Uh, futures uh, on the treasuries are all pushed down except for the two-year future, which remains unchanged. Real money has Bitcoin at $55,816.15, 308,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us 12,845 transactions every hour on the hour with 637,000 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. We get 26,500 BTC being sent on average every hour with the average transaction value of 2 BTC and the median transaction value of 0 0.02 BTC or right at $1,091. Block time still low, 8 minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, we have 0.6 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 102.7 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. <clears throat> We've had a 8.3% drop in hash rate, bringing us to the lowly number of last month's previous all-time high of 178 exahashes per second. Your Dogecoin or shitcoin uh, indicator is at 0.49 cents, so hanging right around 50 cents. Clark Moody has more information. There are 16,646 transactions waiting to onboard 29 blocks to clear. So getting some good clearance here, man. I remember when this blocks to clear were standing at like, you know, 68, 78. I saw one that was 102 one day. So doing pretty good on that front. $1.05 trillion of market capitalization uh, gives us 8.68% of gold's total market cap with one Bitcoin buying 30.1 ounces of gold. There are, in fact, 18,706,754.25 BTC in circulation at this time at a price of 55970 according to Clark Moody, that is. We have 1,282 BTC in the Lightning Network. What is the Lightning Network? It's the Layer 2 network that sits on top of Bitcoin, making value-for-value value transactions much more palatable at lower levels of value, i.e. coffee. 
There is uh, that capacity value, by the way, is $71.8 million being run over 11,142 nodes with 44,741 channels that we know about. The Tor capacity has hit a new all-time high. 59.2% of the Lightning Network is now being run over Tor nodes, of which there are 5,417 that we can see. The Tor capacity of the Lightning Network is 758.75 BTC. Taproot activation, we have added a mining pool. We now have, it looks like six mining pools are on board for Taproot activation. Those include Ant Pool, F2 Pool, Poolin finally got their shit together and started signaling, Foundry USA, Slush Pool is also signaling, as well as SBI Crypto. So if you want to maybe, I don't know, find those Twitter accounts and, and give them a shout out on Twitter, maybe it'll make them not try to do anything sneaky. Uh, we are, in fact, we're at 32.89% signaling for Taproot activation during this difficulty adjustment. We are not going to get Taproot because we needed 90% of that, but we got a full third of this difficulty uh, adjustments blocks so far signaling for Taproot. 51% are not signaling for Taproot, and we have 328 upcoming blocks, and we'll have to see what that does at the time. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Cointelegraph's Turner Wright going to tell us about Hive blockchain selling its Norwegian data mining center citing loss of government subsidiaries, uh, or sorry, subsidies. <clears throat> Don't depend on subsidies, people. Which, by the way, all solar and wind in the United States is subsidized. I'm just saying, they pull the plug on that shit. Eric Kothhaus or Holthaus or hot tub guy, he can just kiss his happy little ass goodbye. He'll probably end up in a coma, given the fact that he'll fall down the stairs in a fit of hysterics. Crypto mining firm High Blockchain Technology sold one of its data centers in the Norwegian municipality of Narvik, which it previously held since 2018. <clears throat> in an announcement on Monday, Hive said it had transferred all shares of the firm's local subsidiary Kolos Norway AS to Narvik in addition to a $200,000 payment. The move came after the Norwegian parliament approved a bill in December 2018 that would not provide relief to crypto miners on power consumption. The mining firm said it was no longer probable that Hive will be able to meet the development conditions given the legislation, which has been in effect since 2019. According to Hive, the bill effectively reduced the valuation of land development rights from $15 million to zero dollars. Hive Executive Chair Frank Holmes described the sale as unfortunate, but approved of the community continuing to find uses for the property. Quote, the deal was made before myself or our CFO had assumed executive duties, said Holmes. We are pleased that our management team can now continue to focus on more immediate needs like upgrading our current facilities while expanding existing operations in Sweden. Iceland and Canada, I guess Norway is going to have funds staying poor. A major ether miner, Hive announced a two-phase plan in the quarter of 2020 to expand its mining operations in Sweden by more than 20%. In March of 2020, the firm acquired a new facility in Quebec for $2.8 million, reportedly doubling its global mining capacity at the time. Well, when ETH turns over to proof of stake, all the Ethereum miners are going to have to find new jobs unless they never move to proof of stake, which is a high probability. However, I get the feeling that they are they are so itching to move over to proof of stake that they're going to do so and commit a major mistake, either through the abandonment of all the people that have sunk all manner of, of, of capital expenditures into supporting the Ethereum blockchain, which is just going to leave them in the dust. That's not going to make any friends, by the way. Or they execute it so quickly that there's going to be a major bug and a major exploit's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to how this is going to work out for them, but I just I honestly just don't feel that it's going to be as good as people think it's going to be. I think there's going to be some pretty serious blowback no matter what they do. 
I personally <clears throat> think that the Ethereum miners that are going to get left behind in the dust, I think there's going to be enough of them that are going to, I don't know, either just straight up fork Ethereum where it's at or start mining Ethereum Classic. I don't know. I, I, I don't know anything about, you know, I don't know any Ethereum miners. All I can do is speculate on the fact that here, just from the standpoint of human condition, here we have a whole shitload of people that have spent a whole shitload of their years and their life overcoming frustrations, buying like every GPU, pissing off every gamer on the planet because they're driving the prices up and, and suffering all the slings and arrows only to have Vitalik Buterin do two things. Change monetary policy every time he sits on the toilet, it seems so, and then a, a just straight up abandonment. Right. Nobody, nobody likes that kind of shit. And I can't, I, I just, I, I don't see how that doesn't come back to bite Vitalik and, and the Ethereum crew right in the ass. But Hive blockchain, yeah, they're, they're, Norway apparently doesn't want to have anything to do with this shit. So I think the other knock-on effect is that this is going to happen with Bitcoin mining too. There will be countries that are in the, are in the grips of their hysterics and listening to nothing but the whiners and the weak-handed and, and the, the limp-wristed and all that. And, you know, what's gonna, who's going to benefit? <clears throat> the oil-producing countries. That's right. The oil-producing companies are going to see a yet another boom. But this time it won't be oil. It will literally be natural gas, which is something that is a liability more than it is a profit center. So keep that in mind. If you didn't know, I mean, even though that I read you the futures of natural gas... Um, and people pay money for it, they don't pay enough. And I'm not saying that we should pay more. I'd, I'd, I'd rather enjoy the low prices of natural gas, but the gas producers in like Oklahoma are shutting in gas wells because they just can't, they just can't afford to build the pipe infrastructure to get it to somewhere useful where they can inject it into, in, in, into like where, I don't know, where I can use it in my stove. But I don't need extra capacity of natural gas. Guess what? Unless a line freezes, there's more natural gas in the natural gas quote unquote grid than we need. There is, I've never heard about a shortage of natural gas in the pipe in a municipality ever, except for the Texas freeze. And that's because shit froze over. Anyway, so <clears throat> sorry about that a little interruption there. Um, <clears throat> I forgot to close my, I forgot to close the studio door and kids are getting up. So I had to close that thing. Anyway, I'm just saying that who's going to benefit from all this is going to be people that just finally throw in the towel. They're tired of being tied to the grid. They're tired of like, you know, prices on electricity fluctuating and they're just going to want a solid fuel that other people think is a nuisance that they can draw upon. And the thing about Bitcoin mining is you can drop it anywhere. You don't have to have it in a data center. You don't. You can just drop it at a well pad or drop it in other, you know, in other situations. And yes, you end up with a decentralized network. And yes, that causes headaches for management. But a lot of this stuff can be managed over the wire. And if somebody really does need to go out there, well, guess what? People need to go out to oil wells to check on it. But how, ask me how I know. I went with my dad on several occasions just to go check several different oil wells as they were producing, okay? Like the pump jack's on it, you know, the drilling is over, the exploration is done, they hit, they got a pump jack, they got a heater treater unit, they've got tanks, they got everything, and he's going out checking production. And, you know, or, or if something like, you know, blew up, he's, he's got to, if, if his tool pusher can't do it, he's got to go do it. So there were several times that I went out with them and it was honestly, it was fun. It was basically a nice drive in the country when you come down to it. I bet you there's a lot of people that would love to just drive around and check on these things as their job. And guess what? Those jobs are coming, people. They are. I guarantee it. Now, the CBOE kicks a fidelity linked Bitcoin ETF application to the SEC. The SEC has 45 days to make an initial decision on this particular application. Nicholas Day's writing this one for Coindesk. 
Another would-be Bitcoin exchange traded fund has taken a step toward regulatory review. CBOE BZX Exchange has filed a 19B-4 form acknowledging its support of Wise Origins Bitcoin ETF application and kicking the process to the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Wise Origin, a fund affiliated with investment giant Fidelity, first filed for the ETF with the SEC in March. However, the SEC needs an exchange partner like CBOE or the NYSE ARCA to file a corresponding 19B4 before it will begin considering the application. With CBOE's filing on Monday, the ball is now in the SEC's court. The agency has an initial 45 days to make a decision on the application. Uh, BT, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Bitcoin ETF proponents claim such a product would open Bitcoin up to a wide array of possible investors, namely those who are either wary of investing in Bitcoin directly, such as retail, or those who may be able to only invest in certain regulated investment vehicles, such as some institutional or financial traders. The SEC, the United States Federal Securities Regulator, is currently considering three other Bitcoin ETF applications filed by VanEck, Cryptoin, and WisdomTree. All three have, uh, have also filed with CBOE, BZX Exchange. Another would-be ETF issuer, Valkyrie, is working with NYSE ARCA, which has also filed a 19B4 form. A further four Bitcoin ETF applications and one Ethereum one uh, have also been filed, though they lack the requisite 19B4 forms. Simplify, Skybridge, Nidig, and Galaxy Digital Bitcoin ETFs and the VanEck Ethereum ETF. <clears throat> the SEC has typically taken a full 240 days, the maximum of a time allowed by law to evaluate a Bitcoin ETF application. In the past, the agency has rejected every single crypto ETF application it has faced, though the industry viewers say 2021 may be the year such an ETF is finally approved. The Bitcoin market's growing maturity and evolution in recent years, as well as the possibility that new SEC, C SEC chief Gary Gensler may be friendlier to crypto than his predecessor, Jay Clayton, uh, are two signs that could lead to an ETF approval. Well, you guys are going to have to do it at one point or another. I mean, at this point, Bitcoin doesn't need another ETF, but the United States does. I'm sorry. I mean, Brazil has one and Canada has four. We have none. It's ridiculous. Although I guarantee you that Grace, <clears throat> I still, bets are out. Grayscale is going to be the first ETF because they're the most well positioned because all that is, is a conversion. They already own the asset. They've already been operating. They already have the team in place. It's going to be grayscale. I guarantee it. Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. Kazakhstan's government is going to create a roadmap for developing crypto markets. Helen Parts has this from Cointelegraph. Kazakhstani authorities plan to improve their regulatory approach in order to strengthen the country's position in the global crypto market. Now, I've been saying it a lot, and I keep—I I think I—I I, I keep forgetting to include the stands. All right, I, when it comes to Bitcoin adoption, I'm not looking at the United States and Canada. I'm not looking at Europe. I'm not looking at China, Russia, Australia, nor am I looking at New Zealand or India. I'm looking at everywhere else, and I usually say the Baltics, the Balkans, uh, the continent of Africa, South America, and Central America. But if I think I need to include the stands, Pakistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Ar uh, Armenia, like all these, you know, all these places that kind of were breakaways from the, the old Russian empire. Anyway, <clears throat> be looking to these countries for shifts from the first world money into what would be considered second world or, or third world money. I really think that these are the places to watch going forward for the rest of this particular century. Kazakhstan state authorities have reviewed proposals to address the crypto industry's development and reconsider the state's approach to regulating crypto operations. According to a Tuesday announcement on the website of the prime minister of Kazakhstan, <clears throat> officials have proposed to run crypto exchanges via a major national financial hub the Astana International Financial Center 
The government also suggested establishing standards by which crypto exchanges can interact with local banks and clients. The new initiative aims to provide transparency and organization for the local crypto industry. Quote, to date, out of the whole variety of companies working in the crypto industry, only mining companies are part of the market in Kazakhstan, the announcement reads. The Republic of Kazakhstan is getting more serious about the crypto industry and digital assets. Last week, their central bank issued an official report on the possible central bank digital currency. The bank said that the digital tenge, I don't, I, I'm assuming that's like their dollar and I can't pronounce it probably, but the tenge is not intended to replace either cash or cashless payments, but would rather be an alternative option that would enable further development of the national payment system and reduce reliance on cash. All right, so everybody's getting stuck in the flypaper of digital currencies because they don't want to give up power. That's their own flytrap. And we should probably work with that, honestly. These guys are so entrenched. <clears throat> Maybe it's not that we want to pull them out of the flypaper. Maybe we want to let them leave them stuck there so they just wither away and die of dehydration because that's how flypaper works. You get stuck to this stuff and you can't get to water. You can't get to nutrients but it's really the lack of water that kills your ass in three days. And that goes for insects as well. And I do regard a lot of these people as insects. I don't really regard them as human beings anymore because they don't act like human beings. And if you don't act like a human being, then you're nothing more than a fucking animal. And that's what these people are. So maybe we should realign our thinking here. <clears throat> maybe instead of thinking that they're in power, maybe we should just treat them like flies caught in flypaper and they can't think of not being in power. Or in other words, they cannot think about not being stuck in glue. How does that work for us? How can we use that to our advantage? Remember what Obi Mosu was saying, all you gotta do is find that one person and hammer that one person. How can we use these things all together in concert? to be able to get humanity out of the hysterics that we're in, the bad policy that we've been exposed to for decades and decades and decades and decades, the terrible architecture that we're seeing, the really piss poor art that we're seeing. Honestly, the really piss poor everything. I mean, music sucks. There, I mean, like, look, Miley Cyrus has a really great set of pipes. Music sucks though. And all the rest of them, I mean, the, the hip hoppers, the popular music at this point, it's just all garbage. And it happened right after the whole, oh, what was it? Um, when um, <clears throat> the music industry got their asses handed to them by the peer-to-peer -peer platform, uh, Napster. Yeah, Napster. Before Napster, and I'm not blaming Napster, I'm blaming the music industry's reaction to Napster before Napster, there was really good music coming down the pipe still. After Napster, somehow it all turned to shit. And I think that it all turned to shit, honestly, because of the music companies or the music industry's reaction to Napster and the aftermath of what all that meant. That they had to figure out a way to capture the artist whole, like, whole hog. And then literally say, we'll make you famous because we've already got the marketing, but you do what we say all the time, every day. We take this cut, you get, we'll, we'll make you rich, but you're not going to get what we get out of it. And somehow or another convince them to do this shit. And now they're just yet more mouthpieces. You know, it's, it's, it's just an awful landscape and this all comes out of fiat money. So think how the hell can we use the fact that these people are stuck in flypaper to our own advantage? Now, I got bad news. Sean Culkin, <clears throat> latest NFL player to announce Bitcoin salary, has been cut from the Chiefs. Uh, Zach Seward is writing it for Coindesk. The NFL tight end who made headlines last month by planning to convert all of his salary to Bitcoin has been cut from the Kansas City Chiefs says a team spokesman. Culkin was seeking to roll to one-up Russell O'Kung, the NFL offensive tackle, who started converting half his salary into Bitcoin starting late last year. That said, O'Kung's contract was for $13 million and Culkin's was set for $920,000. The news of Culkin's dismissal comes on the day uh, NFL quarterback 
Tom Brady added laser eyes to his Twitter bio, a move that sent observers into a tizzy over whether the QB or sorry, the quarterback legend was also stocking up on BTC. Uh, a call to Culkin's agent was not immediately returned. And this is sad, honestly, but I don't know. I mean, the thing about it is, is that I don't know anything about Sean Culkin's prowess on the field. I don't know if he was cut because he wanted to take a salary in Bitcoin, because this is probably kind of starting to piss the NFL off a little bit. Or if he's just, if he was just a shitty tight end, I don't know. Or if he didn't get along with his teammates. I have no clue what the hell is going on here. But it is sad because I listened to an interview with him and Peter McCormick. And Sean just seems like a really stand-up guy. And it was really sad because he was like talking to Jack Mallers at the same time because they, I guess, they're all in El Salvador and, or both Peter and Jack Mallers are in El Salvador right now. And, you know, they were having like a nice little discussion. And I was like, I was kind of, you know, fascinated with the whole thing and realizing that this dude's actually a pretty stand up guy. And then I hear yesterday that he gets cut. So not much that can be done about that. Um, this one's going to be a little interesting, but uh, again, cautionary, very cautionary. Uh, Cointelegraph's Connor Sefton has this one. <clears throat> PS5 stock is hard to find, but sites that accept crypto are coming to the rescue. It was one of the most anticipated releases of a games console for years, the PlayStation 5. Sony's latest high-spec model also couldn't have come at a better time, making its long-awaited debut in November of 2020. Gamers had high hopes of keeping entertained during the harsh winter and adverting boredom during coronavirus lockdowns that kept us confined indoors, unable to go to restaurants and away from our loved ones. Yes, because we listen to anybody that sits in a sheet of flypaper. Alas, many of us were left disappointed because of stock shortages. Around the world, PS5s would sell out instantly as soon as shops got a batch. And Sony admitted that a shortage of semiconductors was having a detrimental impact on its production processes. Even now, frustrated gamers are having trouble getting their hands on this console with the likes of Amazon being sold out. Twitter trackers have been set up so people can find out when the PS5 is back in stock. And opportunistic scammers have been preying on those who are desperate to make a purchase. On some secondhand marketplaces such as eBay, buyers face hugely inflated prices as well. It doesn't have to be that way, though. One of the best kept secrets when it comes to PS5 stock lies in how a number of crypto focused marketplaces have brand new shiny consoles that are ready to be shipped to your door. How do we know this? Because we got one. <clears throat> one website that the PS5 has in stock is Exeno, E X E N O, a website that specializes in allowing people to purchase top gadgets such as iPhones, iPads, laptops, and electric scooters using digital assets. Prices are presented in Bitcoin. Bitcoin Vault, which I've never heard of, and Ether alongside a dollar amount for comparison. Beyond that, the process is incredibly similar to any other fiat-focused e-commerce site that you may have encountered. When an account is registered using Xeno, individual wallets for each of the three cryptocurrencies supported are automatically set up. Automatically be aware, those aren't your keys. Meaning that you can top up your account through your own wallet or your chosen exchange. A common worry that some shoppers may have when using cryptocurrencies is that the rates may suddenly change or could be out of date. Exeno says it gets around this through a partnership with Kanga Exchange. A seamless experience has been built that ensures uh, ensures the process of making a payment is completed in under a minute. And during this time, an item's price is frozen to deliver certainty to the consumer. Of course, there's also an argument that making a purchase using Bitcoin might not be a good idea anyway. Some horror stories have emerged over the years, such as the sorry tale of Laszlo Hanks, the man who paid 10,000 BTC for two pizzas in 2010. Okay, that's not a sorry tale. I'm sorry, I got, I, got to, I got to do it. That's bullshit. That is not a sorry tale. Laszlo, yes, spent $10,000 or 10,000 Bitcoin on pizza. And yes, it's worth, I don't know, $558 million or some bullshit. It doesn't really matter. Because without that purchase, there is no price discovery. Somebody had to do it. Laszlo is going to be fine. How do I know? I've seen a picture of his house. Dude, 
Laszlo's doing fine. He didn't need the 10,000 Bitcoin. He, that wasn't his entire stash. And the stash that he didn't spend, well, he's going to be fine. So stop with the sorry tale of the pizza. It was necessary for everybody. Laszlo took it in the chest like a champ for the rest of us. So at least pay him a little bit of respect. Continuing. <clears throat> This isn't a concern for XNO CEO Tom Babayek, who told Cointelegraph, quote, every currency fluctuates in a situation where Bitcoin has been bought at a knockdown price. Paying for goods with it when its value is rising is an excellent solution, end quote. Another argument might be that making a purchase using crypto directly can be more efficient, especially if you were only or if you were only going to convert your Bitcoin into dollars to snap up an item anyway. Given how these transactions are taxable events, shoppers then need to go through the process of declaring any profits they made from holding onto their crypto, adding on another cost of paying in fiat. So registering an account and making a purchase feels very similar through the website's interface, and there's a 1.8% fee added on top of the purchase. So here's the thing. They got their PS5, by the way. And it, it, it came well-packed from Xeno, so they did exactly what they said they were going to do. But understand this. They have two pieces of information at Xeno. I don't know if they keep it on a database. I don't know if, if they do keep it on a database. I don't know how long they keep it on a database, but they have two data points. And these are critical to understand. They have your shipping address. So use a P.O. box. Although that doesn't obfuscate your actual shipping address for long, depending on who wants to find it, because the U.S. Post Office knows your actual home address because you had to give them that information to get a P.O. box. You have to give them your license, right? Second, they know that you paid in Bitcoin. Those two pieces of information are not the best things in the world to have flying around, okay? Just saying, be careful out there. And don't just do things because you can. Sit back for a couple of minutes and think about them. And that's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by Eric Halthaus. That's Eric Halthaus, who says... Today, Bitcoin reached a new all-time high in its destructiveness to the planet. We are in a climate emergency. We can't afford to waste real-world energy on digital beanie babies. This is a perfect example of a hysteric. When you talk about like the priest class or the, you know, the rich class or the political class. We now have the hysteric class. And this guy is right up there as their high priestess, man. I, I, I'm telling you, dude, this guy is scared of everything. He can't walk through a fucking airport without crying because he's destroying the planet. Honestly, I don't know how these people live. Because if he really believes what he believes, there's no way you could. So it's, I, I can only assume that he's being flatly disingenuous. I don't know. I, I actually don't care. But we're, gonna, we're definitely going to need a joke to wash that out of our mouths with. <clears throat> so Dad Says Jokes brings it to us. What flavor is the toothpaste in jail? Imprisonment. Get it? <laughs> yes, sir. All right, it is what Tuesday. Good lord. Um, honestly, we gotta. We're gonna have to just wait and see. However, I, I you know, about price and and where Bitcoin's going and the conclusion of alt season and if that happens sooner or later and God only knows what. But um, I did want to make sure that I gave uh, some particular shout outs to some people that got a hold of me uh, regarding my. Uh, beginning rant uh yesterday's show about suicide and and like you know the the loss of hope and all that kind of stuff and a lot of people reached out to me and um and and made me feel much much better but not because they were saying hey sorry man i feel sorry for you you're no 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 there's a couple of people that literally understand what i was saying about writing a book that's like 50 pages long that ends with giving the reader hope that there's something for the future and it's going to be in Bitcoin, but it's not including 
its underlying technology. It's, it, it, needs to be, uh, it needs to be literally a book about here's the problem and why Bitcoin is the solution and not get into the technical and monetary details or at least only touch on those that are absolutely critical for the understanding, but do it in a way that a four-year-old can understand because the person that's in despair is not going to take the time to read Saifedean's book. I like Saifedean. I like his book. This is not the book to give to somebody who is literally suffering. So to all the guys that reached out to me yesterday via DM, Brady, you're included, bro. Thank you very much. As well as uh, Exarelus, X-U-R-E-L-U-S. Thank you for your kind words. And honestly, all the rest of them, uh, like Matt, Matt Leonardo also reached out and a couple other people and they've fallen off my DM and it's early in the morning and my brain doesn't work all that well. So if I forgot to mention you, you are not forgotten. You'll be forever in my DMs, by the way. Um, it was great to hear from all of you. It was great to, to hear that some people are actually working on a book like this. Um, either, either it's kind of in, in, in the middle of being done or people are like other people are thinking about how they would go about doing that. You know, it's good to see. I honestly believe it's going to be necessary going forward. And as we do go forward, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.